start from page 331 and number 38, top of the page. All right, so we're a little talking about the concept of what it is for the Karaites who are coming up with their own intuitive understanding of what the Torah really means and what does that end up looking like and how does that play out in real time? Uzari said, everything you have said makes sense. The Torah commands us to have one discipline and one set of laws. Yet the Karaites using their logic create multiple disciplines, each one according to his own logic. Not even one of them can derive one consistent discipline because each day the Karai will either change his mind entirely or at the least add new ideas to his old ones. Or he will meet up with someone who will disprove his beliefs. Ultimately, he will be forced to change his practices to keep in line with his changing beliefs. If we find Karaites <laughs> excuse me, agreeing on anything, then we can be sure that they received it as a tradition from one or more Karaites who preceded them. We should therefore challenge their consensus by saying to them, how could you possibly, how could you all possibly agree upon the interpretation of this particular commandment when logic could explain it in a number of ways? It's a, it's a very cogent point. There's almost nothing in the Torah that is so explicit as to not require any more explanation, right? So almost everything in the Torah requires more explanation. You know, I guess you could say, lo sirtzaf, right? you shall not kill. That's, that's pretty explicit, right? But most things in the Torah are not so explicit. So if you find the Karaites agreeing and coming to a consensus on something, presumably that means that there must have been a tradition a certain way. If they answer that their interpretation is that of the early Karaites, such as Anan, Benjamin, Shaul, and others, then they are conceding that tradition of some sort must be followed. The question is this, which tradition you follow, of course. And if so, they should instead rely upon the tradition of those who came earlier and were more reliable, namely the rabbis. The rabbis were many, whereas the Karai founders were few. Rabbinical knowledge is based on a tradition that derives from the prophets, whereas the Karaitic tradition is based solely on logic. In other words, it's, a, it's a, funny, a funny dance that they are dancing. On the one hand, they want to make the argument that they don't require an oral Torah. On the other hand, they are ready to rely on tradition, but that tradition is even worse because that tradition is only based on logic. And then there's no way and no reason to believe that this tradition is correct. It's just based on human logic, as opposed to the oral Torah, which has the validity of the divine behind it. The rabbis were generally in agreement, whereas the Karaites disagreed with one another. The rabbis' rulings emanated from the place which God shall choose, right? This is a, a, a very interesting law that the temple, the Beit HaMikdash in Jerusalem, adjoining the temple was actually where the high court resided. Right, so the Supreme Sanhedrin, right, the 71, 70 member court, resided literally attached to the temple. Why? Because it represents the fact that the temple is the house of God in this world. And right at the house of God is where we have the halachic decisors making their decisions. So as to make it clear about, about that it's coming from Hashem. That even if they were based solely on logic, it would still be appropriate to accept them. This was not the case for the Karaites. What do we mean by this? What we mean by this is, if you're going to make a decision based on logic, your logic better be ironclad, right? I think we've all seen in our lives and maybe on individual levels and perhaps now in a more clear level, what logic is, is very much dependent on your preconceived notions of what you think the right answer should be. And then afterwards you come up with your logical underpinnings to sort of support to bolster your beliefs, right? Now, if you are a Karaite person living somewhere in uh, you know, Iraq in the seventh century or eighth century, and you're coming up with your own logic, okay, might be 
possibly influenced by those people who live around you and the cultures. And if you are coming up with your logical conclusions when you are literally abutting the actual temple itself, your logic is going to be far more, far more correct. If only they can answer the question of how they independently derive their calendar based on this month is for you. So it's like this. The, the, the Karaites don't have the same tradition about how exactly you should accept the, the witnesses and what sort of questions you should be asking them. Initially, when the Torah, when we first had the basic question, we first had the Torah, before the tradition was broken due to our enemies who are trying to you know, cause us to no longer have this tradition. But what happened is when two individuals would come into court upon having seen the new moon, and they would come into court, they would give testimony that they saw the new moon, and they would be tested as to what exactly happened over there. <coughs> Excuse me, what did it look like? Where was it? When did it rise? And so on and so forth. And the rabbis also had a, an understanding of how exactly to set up that the new moon should be in the proper time, considering different uh, you know, factors that would be necessary for them to be able to give the, you know, bring offerings at the right time, and so on and so forth, and many different considerations. What's interesting is, he says that the Karaites followed the rabbinic tradition of how exactly to set up your months of the year. I see that they follow the rabbis by making the decision to add the leap month of Adar only during the month of Adar. And yet they challenge the rabbis based on their sighting of the new moon for Tishrei by saying, how could you observe the Yom Kippur fast on the ninth of Tishrei? That's a little bit funny, right? They're making decisions based on eyewitness testimony as to was the moon seen or not. But ultimately, the concept of saying that we have a Jewish leap year, a Jewish leap year means that every seven out of every 19 year cycle, we add an additional month to the Hebrew calendar. The reason for that being that the Hebrew calendar is 12 months, the 12 lunar months, which only ends up to 354 days. Whereas the solar calendar is 365 days. Problem is Passover is supposed to be celebrated in the spring. But if we did not add a month to the year, every couple of years, we would have great difficulty because Passover would become progressively earlier until it's the middle of the winter. So therefore the rabbis understood from this, and from a verse in the Torah, they, the obligation to make sure that the month is in the right place, the holiday is celebrated in the right place, they should add a year. I'm sorry, add a month. Now, the tradition was that the way in which you add this month can only be in the, they can only make the decision to add it during the month of Adar. Okay. But yet they still challenged the rabbis. And, and so the Karaites accepted that part, but they challenged the rabbis by saying the actual new moon on any given month is going to be solely based on testify, on testimony from eyewitnesses. Now, they should be ashamed. They don't even know what month it is. In a year when they added a month, they do not know whether the month of Elo is really Elo or is Tishrei, and they incorrectly added a month. Or in a year when they did not add a month, they do not know whether the month of Mar Cheshvan is really Mar Cheshvan, or if it is Tishrei, and they should have added a month. Attitude should be like those who say, we are drowning. Why should we worry about our clothes getting wet? Meaning we don't know on our own whether this month is Tishrei, Mar Cheshvan, or Elo. How then can we dare challenge those in whose footsteps we follow and from whom we learn and ask them if they fasted on the ninth or the 10th, right? Very important point. The very concept of having the, the lunar calendar coincide and align with, you, with the solar calendar is based on the tradition of when it's correct and it's not correct. And that you're going to say that I accept, but we still should be accepting based on eyewitness testimony. 
that's foolish, right? And, and that, that's a beautiful mashal. I really like that parable of saying, it's the equivalent of someone who's drowning and saying, oh, my clothes are getting wet, right? You're kind, you're kind of missing the forest with the trees over there. Interesting side note, I one time met someone and he asked if he could borrow a chauffeur. It was a Jew. And he borrowed, he's borrowing a chauffeur for Rosh Hashanah. So I said, sure. And he said, I just want to be clear though, I might end up blowing the chauffeur on Shabbos. I was like, well, first of all, you're not supposed to blow the chauffeur on Shabbos. Second of all, this year, Rosh Hashanah is not Shabbos. So I don't know what's bothering you. And he's like, yeah, but I'm a Karaite. So I'm going to make my decision of when Rosh Hashanah is based on when I see the new moon. So it might fall out on Shabbos and then I'm going to have to go on Shabbos. I said, you know, maybe you don't need my chauffeur actually. Uh, but that, that was the end of, the, of our interaction. Okay. Uh, very good. Very good. Thank you, guys. Be well. Good night.